I do have a text of scripture for you this morning. Imagine that. It comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, a familiar passage for many of us. This is uh, the Apostle Paul uh, waxing poetic in a beautiful, profound way about the body of Jesus Christ. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For you are all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we're all given the one Spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not, for that reason, stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. May the Lord add his blessing upon this reading of his holy word. Help us to hear it, understand it, believe it, and then live in response to it. Let's pray together. Eternal God, we do thank you for the gift of your word and the gift of this worship service that grounds us, that guides us. Oh, Lord, this is home, our home in you. And now, Lord, you have given to me the amazing privilege and responsibility of preaching your word to these, my friends, and your servants. Lord, a task I always need your strength in order to do. So, Lord, speak to me and through me in such a way that all of us do receive a word from you that will make a difference to our lives. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. When you drove to worship this morning, you passed the houses of friends and neighbors who had no thought of going to church. Some were sipping their coffee and scrolling through Facebook on their phones. Some were still asleep. Some were headed to the golf course or getting their kid ready for a soccer game. Why aren't they here? Why don't they go to church? You know, ironically, religious polls tell us quite often that a large percentage of Americans believe in God. They are spiritual, and many of them say they go to church. Why aren't they here? Of course, many of us are well aware of those after COVID who got out of the habit of going to church. And they prefer just watching church online in their PJs on their comfortable sofa. And their thinking is, well, you know, I've gone this far without it. Why not do something I enjoy on the weekends, something else? And after all, is it that important? I can catch a message or a worship service online. You and I have heard many of excuses and reasons for people not going to church over the years. We really have. And today what I want to do this morning is to lift up the top reasons I've heard and respond to them. Now, this is a special sermon today. Because this is your sermon. I'm very much aware that I'm preaching to the choir today. Amen? 
You're here. You're here. So give yourselves a hand. Amen. Yeah. Don't be bashful. And so my hope in this message is that this message will equip you to share why the church is so important and why it should be important to other people. So strap yourselves in. We're going for a ride today. You ready for this? Number one. Ever heard this one before? I believe in God. I'm spiritual. I just don't believe in organized religion. I I, I like this one. I really do. And if I'm in a mood and I hear this, I'll often respond as opposed to what? Unorganized religion? The truth is, unorganized religion is no match for organized evil. And believe me, evil is out there. And how can the church make a difference if it's not organized? I mean, when there is a natural disaster, a a hurricane, we expect FEMA and the Red Cross to be organized. When there is a threat to our country, we expect the military to be organized. When we go to Publix, to grocery shop, We expect publics to be organized, and it usually is. When we go to the bank, we expect the bank to be organized, and we go to the hospital, we expect it to be organized. Yet when it comes to the most important institution of the world, that has the most important job in the world, gets organized, people are often turned off by it. Given the sufferings of this present world and the job that God has called the church to do, we we should be the most organized institution in the world because our job is so important. A close reading of history will show, and listen to me closely, a very close reading will show of history that when God does something significant in this world, it's not done through politics, it's not done through fads, it's not done through secular institution, it is done through the church of Jesus Christ. When the world is at its worst, the church needs to be at its best. And that means we need to be organized. So one, down. Let's go to the next one. Number two. Oh, I came to preach today, folks. <laughs> See if you heard this one. The church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. you got to say it like that. The church is filled with a bunch of hypocrites. Oh, I love this one. In fact, in every church that I have served, when I get out into the community and, and, and I'm in a barber shop or somewhere in the community and people don't know me and I overhear them talking about, I don't go to church because of hypocrites or whatever, I always do this and I just enjoy it. I say, yeah, yeah, you're right about that. Then I say, you know that, that church, and I reference the one I'm serving, I know the biggest hypocrite in that church, the biggest one. And their eyes get real big. You want me to tell you? Yeah, yeah. Who's the biggest hypocrite? And I say, it's me. My name's Charlie Reed, but I'm the senior pastor. How you doing today? (laughs) It's a popular one. It really is. Maybe you have a neighbor or a friend who comes over to your house during the holidays and they criticize the church and maybe they bring up the same litany of things, right? The Inquisition, the the Salem witch trials, the corruption of clergy. And, and maybe they talk about how they, how they got their fingers caught in the machinery of the church and someone got mad at them or they got mad at someone and they discovered horror of horrors that the church is made up of imperfect people. Let me let the cat out of the bag for you. The church is made up of imperfect people because the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. Amen? 
The church is not perfect. There is no such thing as the perfect church, just so you know. Oftentimes I have folks and we have folks who come to see us looking for the perfect church. And it's not really a conversation. It's really an interview. We know some of these folks and they have their 20 questions ready to make sure this is the perfect church. And I always have the same response to them. There is no such thing as the perfect church. And then I look at them and I say, but if you find one and join it, it won't be perfect anymore. They don't like that. And then I say, listen, stop looking for the perfect church. Go worship a perfect God in some kind of community of faith filled with people who are flawed just like you and need God's grace just as much as you do. And the Apostle Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 4, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. We have this treasure in clay jars to show that the power comes from God and not from us. I mean, why did Jesus come? Think about it. Jesus didn't come for perfect people. He came for imperfect people. You don't need a bath if you're clean. Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. He has come to bring healing and wholeness to broken people. We're not perfect, but we know the one who is perfect and he's working in and through us. And even though the church is not perfect, I'll tell you this, the church is still the greatest thing God has going for him in this world. And if God is going to do something significant, he's going to do it through his church. So the next time you have someone say, I don't go to church because they're filled with a bunch of hypocrites. You look at them and you say, and you have my permission to say it. That's right. And there's always room for one more. That one down. Number three. Oh, this is a good one. I like this one. I can experience God on the golf course or in the mountains or on the beach. How many of you ever heard that one before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have doubts about this one. Because I'm a golfer. And most often when I play golf, God is far from me on the golf course. Let me tell you. And you can tell by the shots that I sometimes make. But number three is a popular one. It is. You know, I I hear it quite a bit. And and there is no doubt about it. You can't experience God on the golf course. Some can. Or a beach. Or a mountain. But sooner or later in life, people are going to need a community of loving, understanding, compassionate people. And when that happens... Where do they turn? I never knew of a beach or a golf course that saved a marriage. Now, I know a lot of golf courses that have ruined marriages. I've never known of a mountain that helped someone overcome an addiction. I never know of a a golf course that helped someone develop a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. But yet, I know the church of Jesus Christ has done all those things. I mean, what happens after a national tragedy? What happens after the events like 9-11 and mass shootings and all these crazy events? Where do people go? Do they, do they flock to the beach? Do they, do they flock to the golf course? Do they flock to the mountains? No, they, they go to the church. Because they need the touch and the understanding of loving people. And most of all, they need a power and a strength beyond themselves. And where do you go when you need that? You go to the church. That's where they go. The questions are always the same. Why do bad things happen to good people? Where is God when it hurts? 
What is the meaning and purpose of my life? And when you have questions like that, the only true place that can answer them is the church of Jesus Christ. We need each other. We need the church. You know, Barbara Brown Taylor, that that great preacher, tells about the time she went to visit her 97-year-old friend who has memory issues and you know, her, her long-term memory is great, but her, her short-term memory is not so good. And she told Taylor about the time when she was a, a little girl, and she and a bunch of friends went to, to hike Mount Washington in New Hampshire. And they had a great time. They were there all day, but they stayed too late. And the darkness came in rather quickly. And they got scared. There were no flashlights, nothing. And so they decided to hold one another's hands and to form a human chain as they walked down the mountain. And sometimes they debated where to go, but one thing they never did was to let go of one another. And then that older lady concluded by saying this. You know, sometimes it was so dark, I could only see the hand in front of me and the hand behind me. We got together and we got down that mountain by holding on to each other. If there ever was a parable for the church of Jesus Christ, it is that. How do we navigate dark times together? How do we get our questions answered? How do we grow together? How do we get through difficult times? We do it by holding on to each other because we can't follow Jesus Christ on our own power. We need each other. Here's the next one. Oh, I like this one. I could be a Christian without going to church. I mean, I've never heard that one before. I can go to church. I don't have to go to church, even if I'm a Christian. Yeah? Can you, uh, can you be a Christian without going to church? Yeah, but not a very good one. Can you be married to someone and never live with that spouse? Yeah, but that marriage is not going to last long. Can you be a member of a gym and never go? Absolutely, but you're not going to be very healthy. Can you be a member of a team and never go to practice? Yeah, but one day you're going to let the team down. I'll tell you this, and as sure as I stand here today, I don't know any Christian who is healthy and thriving who's not active in a local church and a local body of believers. In fact, I will challenge any one of you. I dare any one of you to show me someone who is a healthy, growing Christian who's not part of the church of Jesus Christ. We will never achieve Christian Maturity apart from Christian community. That's just the facts. We need more than our own frame of reference. Amen? We need the church to stretch us beyond our comfort zones. Because here's the truth. Many of us have the same default mode. We like to go into our echo chambers and just surround ourselves with people who think like us. Who have the same perspective as us. And we need the church to stretch us. Besides... What Paul was saying earlier, the words I read to you, he was telling us something very important and and in such a poetic way that if you're a Christian, you're part of the church of Jesus Christ. In other words, he was saying it's impossible. You can't be an isolated Christian. Once you decide to follow Jesus Christ, you're immediately part of the church, whether you like it or not. Uh, The foot can't say to the ear, well, I'm not an ear and therefore you're not a part of it. Heck no. You're still part of the church. And I tell you this, when you decide to become a Christian, when anyone decides to follow Jesus Christ, they're immediately put on the team and given a position. 
And those folks who refuse to be part of the church or active in the church, what they're really doing is they're deciding to sit on the bench and not play that position, to not contribute to the mission and ministry of the church. That's what they're doing. We need the church and the church needs us. Because, you know, I'll tell you this, being a Christian is like being a grit. You know, it's like grits. You can't order just one grit. Amen. They all come together, don't they? We all come together as the body of Jesus Christ. And you cannot take that away. Here's another one. Oh, this is a good one. Tell me if you've heard this one before. I can just worship online. Oh, here I go, right? Listen, let me have a few disclaimers on this one. We have a great online ministry. And I know many people are worshiping with us online. It is such a valuable ministry. And I'm well aware there are many people who aren't able to worship in person because of various health reasons, various issues in their lives or problems. And I'm so thrilled that we have an online community that can help them connect I'm also very aware that worshiping online is better than not worshiping at all. And I'm aware that the fact is, the post-COVID church, the reality is we are an in-person and online community. So we better get used to it. And what we offer should be the best. And I'm also aware of this, that our online presence is our shake, uh, the handshake in our community. So when people are interested in a church, quite often they will go online and check us out and then decide if they want to come and worship with us. And so we have to be at our best. But I also know, I also know that there are people who can and should be actively in person in worship who have decided not to be. Because their attitude is, well... Worshiping online is the same thing as being active in a church, and nothing could be further from the truth. As someone once said, you can't serve from your sofa. You can't be a community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of worshiping together on your sofa. We're not consumers. We're contributors. We as Christians don't don't watch. We engage. We serve. We sacrifice. We give. That's what we do. Yes, you can worship Jesus anywhere. Yes, the spirit of Jesus is anywhere. Yes, you don't need to have a sanctuary to worship Jesus Christ. But I tell you, as sure as I preach today, what all Christians, what we all do need, and that is this, every Christian needs to worship with other people. All kinds of people. Older people, younger people, middle-aged people, people who think differently than we do. People who need to be encouraged. People that we need to encourage. People who need to encourage us. People who need to be challenged. People that need to challenge us. People that we need to be challenged. I tell you, that's the beautiful thing about the church. The church is the only institution left in our polarized culture today where one can come in and experience all generations. All the wisdom of every generation. You show me another organization in the world where you experience that. Amen. We need each other. You need the church. And the church needs you. Because... It is too difficult to follow Jesus Christ alone. 
And here's another thing. There are certain things, powerful, special things of connection that happen only when we're face to face. We need to hug each other, shake hands with one another. We need to look each other in the eyes and and ask about life. We we need to look someone in the eyes and, and see if they need someone to listen to them or pray for them or give them counsel. And I tell you this, you can't do that looking at a screen. I had a conversation recently with a, a member of, of this church and they, they confessed to me. They said, Charlie, I have to be honest. We're one of those folks. We just drift away from the church during COVID and after COVID. We got out of the habit We would watch the church online sometimes, but our Sundays got filled with other things and we just got used to it. And I'll be honest with you, Pastor Charlie, he said, we thought that was good enough. That doing that was good enough. But then he was honest and vulnerable with me and he said, Charlie, I I looked at my wife recently. I said, this is not cutting it. I don't feel grounded anymore. We've made some bad decisions. I've missed the nourishment of the church. I miss the people. And he said, and we're coming back. I don't know, maybe there are some of you worshiping online today, and we're so glad that you are. But there are some of you who are worshiping online, and and we miss you. You know who you are. And we need you. We need you. And you need the church. We need each other. Here's the last one. My favorite one of all time. They're always asking for money. Oh, I mean, have you ever heard that one before? Yeah, yeah. This is my all-time favorite because it's my favorite one to respond to. I, I, I love this one. In fact, in, in Georgia, where I was before, you know, college football is really big there. And so when someone ever says that, someone complains, and, and I kind of know where they went to college, this is what I ask them. Yeah, 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 I've heard that before. Um, tell me, where did you go to college? And they get all prideful. I'm a dog. I'm a Georgia Bulldog. Ruff, ruff, ruff. How about them dogs? I love those dogs. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the Bulldogs too. Well, kind of. And then I say... I say, let me ask you something. Whenever you're going to a game and you're cheering for the team, the football team, or whenever you're moving your son or daughter into a dorm, have you ever gotten really angry during those times and said, this place is always asking for my money? Or or do you, whenever you get an email or a, a, a letter in the mail with the institution, Georgia, asking you to contribute to the football program or boosters or whatever, have you ever said, oh, that school is always asking for my money? Never. And then I say, and whatever the Girl Scouts come running with their cookie orders, do you ever say, oh, those girls are always asking for my money? Never. We'll proudly down a sleeve of Thin Mints any day of the week. (laughs) Yet when the Church of Jesus Christ... The most important institution in the world that has the most important job in the world to be a vessel of God's love and grace transforming lives. When we ask for resources, people have a problem with it. Help me understand that. 
You'll come to know this about me. I will never apologize for boldly asking people to contribute to the church of Jesus Christ. Because I tell you, we're the only bank account God has. And when people don't contribute, what God wants done in this community simply doesn't get done. It doesn't get done at all. I will never apologize for it. And I know many of you in worship today feel the same way. Deep down, you want to be part of a community of faith that makes a difference in the world. Deep down, you want to be part of a church that's helping to transform lives. You know, a colleague of mine was in a, waiting for a plane at an airport. He was in San Juan, Mexico. And he was sitting at the gate, and he noticed these two kids, ages six and eight, fighting each other. He, he thought maybe they were brothers, and they were just pounding each other, just pounding, pounding, and just got worse and worse. And he's looking around, and he's saying, well, where are their parents? No parents were there to be found. And it got worse and worse, and finally, my colleague broke up the fight. And he began to ask himself the question, where are their parents Doesn't the government have programs somewhere that can help these kids? I mean, aren't there schools that can help teach these kids kindness? Aren't there counselors that can help these kids? And then it dawned on him. Who else but God can really transform a person? It would take a miracle for these kids to have a chance. Only God can transform them. And then he asked this question to himself. Why is the church of Jesus Christ always waiting on someone else to do its job? Here's the truth, and many of you know it already. The church is called to do a job that only the church can do. And if the church doesn't do it, in this world filled with suffering and pain, it does not get done. Why go to church? Because deep down, we all desire intimate community with others. And deep down, we desire connection with a loving God. And deep down, we want to help others. Make that life-changing connection too. Let's pray. Eternal God, we thank you for your church. What a gift. What a gift your body is, the body of Christ in this world and to us. And to be a part of it, oh my gosh, what an honor, what a privilege. Help us to never take it for granted. Lord, help us to always represent the church well. Lord, help us not to make the church low on the priority list because we know it is through the church and your spirit through the church that we are grounded and sustained and strengthened. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. Let it shine. We're so glad you came to worship today. We hope this has been a time of inspiration, of a challenge, of a time of uh, being equipped for you. Receive this benediction. And I may that mind that was in Christ Jesus be in you also. 
May the love of God, our Heavenly Father, abide with you this day and throughout this week. May the guidance and power of the Holy Spirit fall fresh upon you. And the faith and fellowship of all true disciples of Jesus Christ go with you and sustain you, both now and forevermore. Amen.